welcome everybody. My name is Pav Bryan. I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes and you are listening to Bespoke, the cycling and triathlon training podcast. Now I'm joined today by someone I've admired for quite a long time. He's a retired Marine, uh, 24-hour world time trial champion, Ram soloist, and he's got a couple of world records to his name. Welcome, Joe Lawhorn. How are you doing? Hey, wonderful. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, listeners, we're going to take you through some of the absolutely epic work that Joe does. Um, he, he's an absolutely inspirational guy once you, once you get to, to know him and uh, really, really find out more about what he does. But we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, what Race Across America is like, what the training for it is like, and, uh, and other little tidbits that Joe can give us. But, but Joe, let's just start with you, mate. Um, could you give us a little bit of who you are and uh, some of the work that you do with veterans? Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, when, when I was 17 years old, I enlisted into the United States Marine Corps. I, uh, spent six years in the United States Marines and then I switched branches of service to the U S army. Um, I took some injuries on the battlefield that, uh, the, the military put me on the permanent disabled retirement list. And I got retired out of the U.S. military in 2012. Um, when I came back to my hometown, uh, the the military was kind of like my my identity. I mean, I had done it since I was 17 years old. Uh, you know, a little over 12 years. Uh, so it was kind of uh, lost. It was like starting all over again because all my friends they they were in their 30s. They had houses. They had families. And, uh, you know, I, I lost my job. I lost my identity. I really didn't know who I was, uh, through therapy. I, I started cycling kind of to rehab myself. Um, then I used cycling to get me off all the prescription medications I was on, uh, using yoga and, uh, cycling to, cause I, I have a crush fracture in my back. Um, so building up my core to use my my core to support myself instead of so much the bone structure uh so I, I got myself off the medications i got myself off the antidepressants and uh this you know the the psychological drugs to deal with like ptsd um so and and then i got into competitive cycling and uh my my career in cycling just erupted i, I do really well um, I've been very lucky and, uh, I, I just wanted to give back some way and somehow to, uh, the community, especially the veterans community. Uh, when, when I did race across America, it was just amazing. The amount of, uh, veterans that, uh, you, you know, contacted me and, you know, they, they would tell me I'm inspirational or, you know, I helped them somehow some way or they were on the side of the road when i rode across america out there cheering never met them before when i finished the race i'd have had like 300 messages from all these different people that had pictures of me on the side of the road and they said it was wonderful to see me ride past them and um so i i got a friend that's in the uh chillicothe va here in my hometown and uh you know, I got with him and we devised a plan how to have a cycling program here in Chillicothe or a bike share program. Um, 
and, and you know, in the beginning, it was just an idea. It, it was like, well, let's see, uh, see what we can do here. And uh, we started off with a little over 15 bikes. And then through my social media connections and, yeah, you know, doing upbeat, happy posts and sharing the stories of how the veterans are using the bikes. Uh, now we have close to 50 bicycles. Uh, the VA here in Chillicothe was nice enough. They gave us basically a warehouse that uh, I'm able to run a bike shop out of with my counterpart there at the VA as a full-time employee. And, uh, it, you know, we've just seen this program expand and grow. Uh, you know, we at first just wanted to give these veterans a, a, an outlet or, you know, something to do. And now it's turned into uh, the physical therapy and the adaptive sports program. Uh, they are sending patients to us. Yeah, you, you know, like uh, the other day we had a guy in there. He had 13 injections, cortisone injections in his knee. And instead of them putting him on a stationary bicycle in the physical therapy room, they sent him over to us and he checked out a bicycle and uh, he rode the bicycle around the Chillicothe campus is about three miles. We have about a three mile loop. And uh, yeah, he just went out there and he rode a bicycle around the loop. You know, it, 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 yeah, it's kind of boring. It's in just the single loop. But for him, that was the first time he's ever experienced like, you, you know, riding a bicycle for an hour. Cause he, he'd never really, you know, ridden a bike a lot before um and you know then we have guys we have a uh apartment complex there for veterans on the campus and some of the guys they they don't have cars but they have jobs out in town and uh we have one patient who his main source of transportation back and forth to work every day is one of our bicycles um uh the veterans have a chance. They, uh, as long as they have a VA card or some kind of identification, they can check out a bicycle, and it could be for a day or it could be for a week. And uh, yeah, you know, once a week, we just require them to stop by and make sure that the bike is still in working order, and you know, they they didn't run off with it or it gets stolen. And uh, yeah, the, this one particular patient, I mean. His main source of transportation is the one of the bicycles that he's able to check out in our program. Um, we also have staff. We have a doctor and his wife. The doctor works out there, and his wife is some kind of administration. And uh, they both check out bikes. They, they've been checking out bikes all summer, and they've been riding to work, and then they ride home. Um, so it's become not only therapy, it's become a source of transportation for the patients and uh, the staff. And uh, every Wednesday, I, I host a group ride out there trying to encourage these guys to ride more and, you know, give them tips on cycling or nutrition. And uh, then every second Saturday, we host – it's more of a longer ride. Uh, normally, we try to do 20, 25 miles, which – this program isn't for, you know, like yourself or me who, you know, we, we might go out with our teammates and 
ride a century on a Saturday and that's just a normal training routine. Um, this is like basement level. Some of these guys have never ridden bikes before. Um, to the point where we have to put them on tricycles because they, you know, as a kid, they never had an opportunity to ride a bike before. So, uh, when I say like 25 miles for these guys, I mean, that's a major achievement for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to to chip in there, I mean, I think we can probably all look back at that time when we first rode 25 miles. It did feel like a century, didn't it? It was, uh, I mean, I remember like everybody starts somewhere and it's, uh, it's, it's really good to hear that you, 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 you're kind of using bicycles to help people, I guess. I have a question that I think our our listeners, particularly the ones that don't live in the States, uh, are probably really keen to understand is that why are you doing this and why isn't there more of a a program available for them? Well, um, actually, that's amazing. Um, When I was in the United States Marines, uh, it gave me a chance to work with Dutch Marines and the British Royal Marines and uh, through cycling, um, I, yeah, you know, especially someone that is not uh, uh, an American or here in the U.S., cycling isn't as big in the U.S. as it is in Europe or uh, Australia or uh, other places in the world. Um, <laughs> for some reason, it's just not a very popular sport here in America. And uh, I, I, I think – that's what I'm trying to, to help. Uh, I live in a little small town in Midwest America. And when I started riding my bike, yeah, you know, I would just ride my bike to train. I would have people pull over and ask, Hey, do you need to ride somewhere? Um, because (laughs) it's not typical here for someone to ride a bike. Um, I, I would be out, and I, I have the same mentality I do did when I was in the Marine Corps. Um, I train in all weather. I, I, I do not do any kind of indoor training. Um, so I'd be out in rain or I'd be out in snow and I, I would have somebody pull over and, Oh, do you need a ride? I'm like, no, I'm actually out here trying to get a training ride in. Uh, so then in my small town, uh, there was rumors that I had gotten a DUI or I got pulled over for drinking and I lost my license or I didn't have money to have pay for gas or, um, you know, I didn't have a vehicle to drive because I, I, what I just started doing is I started to help get my base miles up. I started commuting everywhere by bike and that was just so foreign for, for people to understand that, hey, you know, you you can ride your bike to the market or you can, you know, if I'm going to go have lunch with my wife uh, and, and meet her at her work to go somewhere, I would ride my bike to her work and lock it up and then we'd go have lunch and then I'd ride my bike home. And it just, it blew people's mind that I, I could use a bicycle to commute. Um and that, that's one of the things I was trying to help teach, especially when you're teaching bottom level, you're trying to help grow uh, people into cyclists and stuff. That, that, that's 
one thing that uh, I, I was trying to help them instill, I'm like, listen, you know, a bicycle is more than just a workout or more than just to race. It can be a, a kind of a lifestyle, you know, um, it can be transportation. It can be do something with your family and quality time. It can be many things. It's not just bike racing. So that that's kind of what I was helping install to these new riders. That's excellent. Yeah, and it's uh, it really it's fascinating to hear. I guess I have another question on the on the program really. And then how does this get? Who pays for this? How do you do you fundraise for this? Um. Yes, there is no funding for it currently. Um, but after the great success we've had with this program, uh. Washington, D.C. sent out a couple delegates, and we had to give a presentation on the impact it's having on patients and what it's doing for them. And, uh, well, then they, they took that information back to Washington, D.C., and they, uh, they, they've asked that myself and my counterpart at the VA, we... Uh, October 22nd and October 23rd, we are going to be traveling to D.C. and we're actually going to be in front of the vet or the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, and we are going to talk to the VA and uh, Congress about this program and what it's been doing. And uh, there's a lot of interest right now to spread it to other VAs uh, uh, across the country, and I, I really hope that will happen because if this program takes off in a rural uh, southern Ohio and a place like California or you know Colorado Seattle more like cycling friendly communities um, I, I have a really strong feeling it would definitely prosper and grow and be far larger than because I mean Chillicothe, Ohio is not known for cycling and, and it's been doing very well here. Uh, so yeah, I, I've been using my social, you know, you know, after the events and races I've done, I've built up quite a social media following and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take pictures of our group rides and take pictures of the bike shop and help, you know, you know, encouraging words and promoting it and how it's making a difference. And then, that's encouraged others to donate or I've had people bring me old bikes. Um, you know, they've upgraded their bike and Hey, this bike was just sitting out in the garage. It's needs some work, but would you want it? So, you know, I'll, I'll take that bike, I'll bring it home and I'll, you know, rebuild it. And then I, I take it over there and we donate it to the bike shop. Um, we are having a very big, uh, group ride or like, guest fundraiser event ride uh this saturday actually it's going to be called the tour of ross county heroes um my town chillicothe ohio is in a county called ross county and since 9 11 we have had four u.s service members get killed in action and uh there's four highways named after each one of these individuals they're uh memorial highways and they have memorial signs with them 
So we are having a 50K route and a 100K route. And I've, yeah, these aren't the typical training routes that I'm known for. These are as flat as I could get them. Because again, these, these routes aren't targeted for elite cyclists or my teammates to come out and we try to rip each other's legs off. These routes are geared for, you know, basic weekend warrior, you know, they just do cycling every once in a while for fitness or for the enjoyment of it. Um, so I've made these routes as flat and as easy as I could so we could get as many cyclists out at all levels um, to ride on these highways. And then as an added uh, thing, we have asked the uh, families of the fallen if they would come out and these families are going to stand next to their loved one's sons. So that way, as the ride goes on, you know, you, we're, we're estimating around 200 cyclists. But, uh, you know, the, these families get to see these 200 cyclists riding by and uh, see that their loved ones aren't forgotten. So, uh, and, and this is a totally free ride. It's a fundraiser ride. We're not, you know, there is no charge, but if individuals want to donate towards this program, that, that is wonderful. But um, mainly this is targeted to, you know, show the families that their loved ones aren't forgotten. Absolutely. I think uh, that's really beautiful sentiment, Joe. I, uh, I, I think that's fantastic. I love the work that you're doing. And just, uh, just for the listeners who are interested in getting involved, whether that's donating money, joining in with the rides, uh, time or a bike that they may have, what we're going to do is we're going to post that link uh, in, the, uh, in the description on Podbean so that you can get involved. So, Joe, um, for the listeners who are thinking about doing something epic, you've done some really epic rides. Um, tell me, what is Race Across America like? Oh, uh, <laughs> I really don't know if I could put words that, that would do it justice. Um, it is a 3,089-mile bike race from Oceanside, California to Annapolis, Maryland. It has like 175,000 feet of elevation or climbing. Uh, you have to, you know, cross the coastal range mountains. Uh, you, you cross two deserts. Then you get into, you know, the Colorado Rockies. Then you have to ride across the Great Plains. And then my neck of the woods, the Appalachian Mountains, um, I mean, it's just a brutal, brutal race. Um, you get all kinds of extreme weather. Uh, the first two, two and a half days, I was racing across, the, you know, Southern California, Arizona, um, seeing heat of like 115, 120 degrees. And, you know, you can't stop because um, I'm only given 12 days to uh, – make it across the country and there's different time cutoffs like in Durango, Colorado, uh, St. Louis, and then here in Ohio, there's a time cutoff. So, I, I mean, you couldn't, you have no other choice but to ride. And, uh, I mean, it's just a brutal race. 
Absolutely, yeah. I can um, I can share some uh, experience of that as well. Riding in the heat for for the listeners who are not in America as well. That kind of uh, degrees one fifteen, one twenty is well into the forty degrees uh, Celsius, um, and uh, it is. It's really hard. It's really hard. I presume you had a a full support crew uh, as well, didn't you? Uh, yes. You know, you know, race across America when you do it as soloist, you. Uh... At night, you have to have a follow vehicle behind you just for safety reasons. Um, and then during the day, your support van or car can only be uh, no more than like five miles away from you at all times. Again, for safety purposes and keeping track of the rider. We had uh, six support individuals. Um, three of them I served in the military with. And... Uh, you know, we had kind of a bike mechanic with us, a nurse, and then he used to be a combat medic in the military. And then we also had my crew chief, who was my wife. And uh, my wife stayed behind me the whole entire time while the crew, they would, we had two vans. We had a big, like, sprinter van, 15-footer, and then we just had a little Dodge Caravan and so you always had the driver and then you had a navigator going behind me checking the map, making sure I wasn't off off the race course or anything like that. And then my wife who was in the back seat of the van, you know, keeping track of my numbers, double checking the navigation, making sure I'm eating, making sure I'm drinking, making sure I'm taking in enough nutrients, charging the batteries for my lights, charging the batteries for my Garmin. Um, it, you know, God honest truth, I had the easy part of the race. I just had to pedal the daggone bike while, you, you know, they took care of everything else. Fantastic. So, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your training was like? Um, yeah, you, you know, I, again, I, I refer back to the Europeans I'm good friends with a lot of really strong cyclists, especially the ultra cyclists like uh, Marco Bovo and Chris Hoppo. And uh, I just, I, I looked at what they do. And, and, you know, in Europe, for a lot of cyclists, cycling started out as a lifestyle, is a lifestyle. Um, you know, almost every single day they're, they're on a bike. And, you know, e even on their rest days, they still are on a bike. And uh, I kind of looked at that and I, I bounced some ideas off of a few ultra cyclists I know. And basically, you know, I would go out and I would ride 50, 60 miles a day and then turn around and ride a century the next day. And then even on my rest days, uh, I would get on my bike and I would train myself just how to basically keep my heart rate under 100 beats per minute so my body could recover but you know i'd go out for 50 60 miles again and um i i had to totally change my mindset of a you know a typical bike racer you try to get up the mountain as fast as you can or you would you, you know you you attack the downhill and um I had to teach myself how to be very patient, very disciplined, because in a race across, you know, a race like race across America, you can't burn your matches. There is no recovery time. Um, 
even at a casual pace, it's eventually going to catch up to you and it's going to hurt. So, uh, I basically taught myself how to climb mountains, keeping my heart rate down at 120 beats per minute where I would just, you know, get out of the racer mindset of, Oh, I got to go for the KOM on this climb to how can I get up this as comfortable as I can? And, uh, I, I know it throws some cyclists off when I say, you know, in ultra racing, you, you have to keep yourself comfortable. Comfort is king. But uh, unless you've ridden 300 miles in one shot, once you get up around 250 miles, 300 miles, that it, even at a casual pace, it, it definitely takes your toll on your body. Yeah, I completely agree with that. <laughs> It's uh, it's it's never it's never pretty at that uh, at that kind of mileage. Um, you you touched on it a little bit there, and I'm really like the mindset is something that is is huge. And uh, like you kind of say, is that it, it is it's all that rather than rather than it being about performance, it, it's about making sure that you're mentally prepared and you you have got that right kind of attitude going into it. So I mean, is that something that you have from being in the like in the marines or is that something that you had to um like revisit or practice um in, in your preparation for ram um no it I, I, it definitely helps that i'm a, a a marine and having that mindset um because that that there was a uh when you get deployed to afghanistan or something you're you're working 24 hours seven days a week and uh you you just have to mentally set yourself for that so like in oceanside on the start line for a race across america i uh you know i I had it in my head all right well regardless if i make it to the finish line or not i mean if i don't make it to the finish line in 12 days i'm still gonna be on this bike for 12 days And, and that's just what i put in my head is all right for the next 12 days my whole sole purpose on this earth is to pedal this bike um and that's what I've done with uh, just recently this year. I did a 232-mile mountain bike race called the Crusher, and I did uh, Dirty Kanza Extra Large. Uh, that's a 350-mile gravel race, and, and you know it's the same thing at every start line. I I kind of give myself a ballpark idea of all right. Well, for the next 30 hours. My sole purpose on this world is to pedal this bike. So that's all that, you know, and I I put that in my head that, hey, you're going to be on this bicycle for the next 20 hours or 24 hours or, you know, that's all I focus on. Yeah, and that's a a really good tip to have is that is to have that mentality, just the the acceptance of it. Um, I, I guess... Before we move on to talking about uh, your the, some of the world records that you have, if there were some tips, maybe three tips for somebody who is thinking about doing race across America, what would they be? Uh, definitely ride a lot. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, don't worry so much about like hardcore interval training. Um, I, I, I can give an example. There was a two-man team that... Uh, I, I know both the individuals, and uh, I, I didn't want to step in. I, I saw the way they were training up for it, and they were hitting it 
like you would a normal bike race. You know, they were, uh, we got to do this kind of interval and they were worried about Watts and they were worried about power and they were doing a lot of indoor trainer time. And, uh, like I said, the first couple of days of race across America, it, it's 120 degrees, 115 degrees. Well, when I got into Colorado and I'm going over the continental divide and I'm close to 11,000 feet of elevation, there is still snow and ice on the ground. And, uh, I, I mean, it was 40 degrees as I was coming down Wolf Creek pass. I mean, I was getting hit in the face with sleet and snow and, uh, Let's see here. When I was riding through Illinois, I, I mean, it was just two straight days of just riding in the rain. Um, so that whole how athlete, you know, some cyclists are like, oh, I'm a fair weather rider. If you're a fair weather rider, you do not want to do something like race across America. <laughs> cause it, it was just horrible weather the whole time. So I, I, I was telling these individuals or trying to tell them. You know, you, you guys need to forget about the, the interval training and just load up on as much base miles and ride your bike physically as much as you can to prepare for it and, and just get used to, you know, you got to go from point A to point B. It doesn't matter what the weather is. Just go out and do it. And uh, unfortunately, that two-man team, they didn't make it out of Colorado. They uh, they ended up having a DNF this year. Oh, it's a shame. So, Obviously, never want to never want to see that. We always want to see people who have spent a lot of time and, of course, a lot of money because uh, Race Across oh, yeah. America is yeah. notorious for, for how expensive that it actually um, actually is. Were there any points where you were racing across America and you just just wanted to stop? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, uh, I had already said, because as my journey going into the race kept getting bigger and bigger like i said i had all these people sending me messages telling me i was inspirational or you, you know donating money because i mean like you said race across america on average for a soloist costs close to thirty thousand dollars and i had these people donating and counting on me so uh it, you know just the, the mentality, like in the Marine Corps, when I went into a combat mission of there's going to be one way in or one way out, that, that was the mentality I had for Race Across America. Was I, I The only way I was coming off that bike is if I died. <laughs> now, I, I, I will tell you, it, it was I, I got hit with some tremendous saddle sores, and they really flared up in Kansas and... For about 1,600 miles, I had to ride across the country with just horrible saddle sores. Um, that, that was probably about as worse as it got, I can tell you that. Well, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, anyone that's ever experienced saddle sores will know that's quite tough. And you rode a heck of a lot on some saddle sores. Um, well done. I, I, I really am interested to, to talk about your uh, the 24-hour that you did. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Joe? Uh, yeah. Uh, if you're talking about the first time I broke the record, uh, it was total accident. It was a flub. Uh, it, it was down in North Carolina on this course called, uh, or a race called the Mid-Atlantic Challenge. And, uh, when I started 
time trialing, I just it, here in the states and time trials, they actually have a fixed geared category, um, or you know, it's basically a track bike, and, and we race it on open road. And uh, in this race, I was just like, well, I'm gonna enter in my fixed gear just to see how it is. And uh, the the at the time, the record was set at like 386 miles. And, uh, I, I had a friend who was into ultra cycling. He, he was telling me, he's like, you know, just don't strike any matches, keep it a steady pace, you know, try to keep your heart rate under 140. And, uh, you know, that, that was the game plan I did. And, uh, long and behold, I, I cracked 405 miles and, uh, it, it was pretty great. That um, is quite a, quite a jump in the record there actually, isn't it? Well done. And then uh, the guy that I broke it, he came back and he got it. And then uh, he, he got it about a month later. And then, yeah, you know, I would say it was a few months later at the World Championship out in Borrego Springs. There's an actual 24-hour time trial World Championship race, and it brings in cyclists from – I mean, it was the first, like, international race because there was – Slavex and you know riders from Denmark and Britain and Australia and uh, I mean it was kind of like a big shocker for me to be on that kind of a stage and then uh, yeah me and that rider we went head to head and uh, I, I was lucky enough to break the world record he had set it at 413 and I got it back at 415.6 so and then won the world championship well done <laughs> and uh, a great story and uh, fantastic achievement so uh well done which which was harder was uh race across america harder or the 24 hour well you know i, I always said I, I i was done doing 24 hour races but after riding a bike for 11 straight days uh, uh race across america is definitely there's a reason why it has the title the world's hardest bicycle race yeah, absolutely just, <laughs> uh since then i've done uh dirty kanza or dkxl took me 31 hours and then that 232 mountain bike race uh it took me 22 hours and it didn't seem like i was on a bike that long at all so Fantastic. And I guess before we wrap this up, Joe, what is next for you? What Have you got any big, crazy challenges or rides coming up? Uh, yeah. I uh, Like I said, I've become friends with uh, Marco Bolo, and uh, hey, he's cracked 500 miles in 24 hours five times. This would be on a geared bike. So uh, next year, we're going to... You know, you know, my wife really wants me to go after that goal, so I'm going to try to crack 500 miles in 24 hours. There's only a handful of athletes in the world that's done that. Um, and then, you know, we, we have some bigger ultra races uh, on the calendar that we're going to try to hit, like no, old, or no Country for Old Man, which is a 1,000-mile bike race in Texas. Uh the Hoodoo 500, which is a 500-mile race, you know, big events like that we're looking at for next year. 
Fantastic. Joe, uh, that's an incredible list of uh, target events. And uh, I thank you. Uh, it's been absolutely great and inspirational to to hear all of the work that you do to help support veterans and uh, and, and, and all this success you've had as a, an ultra-endurance athlete. So uh, from me and from the, the listeners, thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor and pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, and thanks to the listeners. Remember that uh, uh, we uh, we would love for a, a review. Uh, if you're on iTunes, you can do that. Just click uh, click on that little review button under there. And uh, don't forget to subscribe uh, and share this with your friends. My name is Pav Bryan. I'm performance director and co-founder here at Spokes. And you've been listening to Be Spoked. Be Spoked.